1: Free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert.
2: Wilson, you sent the game winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it?
0: I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point.
3: On your Friday episode of Locked On Raptors, it's free agent season, baby, and we're going to break all of the Raptors news down. We're going to talk about Chris Boucher and Thad Young returning on pretty team-friendly contracts. We'll also talk about Otto Porter Jr. joining with part of the mid-level exception. And to close things out, we'll talk about the big fish that are still out there. Kevin Durant is still to be traded at some point here. DeAndre Ayton, Rudy Gobert, all that. Plus a look at what the depth chart might look like with the guys the Raptors have in tone. Now, that's all coming up on your free agency edition of Locked On Raptors. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, look, because when I shot it, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this.
2: You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
3: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number twelve oh seven of Locked On Raptors for Friday, July the first. I'm your host Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, and you can follow, subscribe to, rate, review the podcast wherever you get your podcast. It's always appreciated when you support the show. It's all free on the audio apps, and it's free on YouTube as well. If you go over to the Locked On Raptors YouTube channel, the big red subscribe button staring you right in the face. Just hit that, and you have. done your duties to support the podcast it's very much appreciated when you take the time to do that and uh, thank you as always for making us your first listen of the day as well sorry this one's coming to you a little bit later in the day But I had a hunch that something was going to happen during the morning time. Went for a bike ride, had a haircut, did some self-care in the afternoon, knowing that something was probably going to drop about the Raptors that would render a morning podcast useless. And that happened as the Raptors signed Otto Porter Jr. to a two-year deal with a player option for the second year. We'll talk about that in the second segment of the show. We're also going to get into all the big fish who are still out there. Lots of signings flying hot and heavy around the league in the last 24 hours or so. That's all coming up on today's show. We'll start off, however, with Chris Boucher and Thaddeus Young returning to the Toronto Raptors. Before we do that, real quick, it's Canada Day. Do your, you know, celebration, whatever you're off for the day, that's great. But uh, please keep in mind that uh, we live on stolen land here in Canada, so if you are uh, thinking about how you can properly celebrate Canada Day, I'm not here to tell you what what to do, but I would highly recommend donating to an indigenous uh, charity of some kind. The Downie Wenjack Fund is a very good good one. The International Residential School Survivors uh, charity as well that we've actually given money to from this podcast before is a great one as well. So please uh, educate yourself on the history of residential schools in Canada. It's a nightmare, and we have a lot of a lot of work to do for a proper reconciliation so I just wanted to get that out of the way here on Canada Day because I know it's a day that people like to celebrate and take the time off but also do some thinking about the stuff Canada has done that is not so good. With that out of the way let's now continue on with today's podcast digging into the Chris Boucher and Fad young signings first off so Chris Boucher came down not long after 6 p.m yesterday when the moratorium the moratorium there's so much tampering going on it's unbelievable but uh not too long after six o'clock it came down that Chris Boucher is returning to the Raptors on a three-year 35 plus ish million dollar deal pays him just over 11 million bucks or so. Per season to be here for three years, which is uh, really nice, you know, probably a little longer than I would have expected, honestly, but the number is, I think, a little lower than I expected annually. I thought with Boucher kind of hitting free agency here, maybe some team out there, I thought the Grizzlies were kind of like this stealth, weird Boucher contender just because they have the cap space and because they love themselves some offensive rebounders, but obviously they're kind of, I think, saving their chips for something bigger down the line, which totally fair. I don't think they're a Chris Boucher away necessarily from being a championship team, whatever. So yeah, you know, it's a little bit, uh, maybe it's a little over the mid-level exception area that he could have gotten elsewhere, but I think it's a little less than I would have expected. I kind of pigeonholed like 15 million bucks for Chris Boucher uh, as sort of the the amount I expected the Raptors to maybe have to go up to depending on how the market bore, but didn't have to go that way. And they give him just just under 12 million bucks, that is, for three seasons with the team. And it's well-deserved. Like... This is a contract I don't think I ever saw coming before this season. I famously on this podcast, the day that uh, he went and like kind of had his first outburst against the Lakers back in the 2019-20 season, where the Raptors were super injured, him and Rondé Hollis Jefferson had themselves a moment, I declared that I didn't think Chris Boucher was actually an NBA player, and boy, 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 was I wrong, and he has turned it around big time, and I had similar feelings, honestly. At the start of this season not that he wasn't an nba player per se but that i was a little bit concerned about chris boucher's ability to impact winning at a high level he felt like a guy who kind of feasted on the tampa season where everything was made up and the points didn't matter and i didn't really like what i saw from him in the first month month and a half of this past season and then once again he proved me hilariously wrong by becoming just like the perfect bench piece for this Raptors team. Yeah, he had a rough shooting season from downtown, could not replicate the 38% that he connected, uh, you know, at the, the rate he could, at which he connected during the 2019-20 season, or 2020-21, I don't know, it all blends together, the Tampa season. Um, but he did everything else that you could have asked for. He was a huge cog in the Raptors defense, really became like an actual winning defensive player, where I think in the past, maybe he kind of hunted for blocks, was kind of Hassan whiteside in that regard, Not the case this past season. He was incredibly valuable. I, in my player review episode for Chris Boucher a couple months ago, dug into how he was impactful on a degree that most of the the six-man-of-the-year candidates in the NBA simply couldn't touch in terms of driving positive play when he was on the floor. He was fantastic and totally deserving. Of this contract yeah the Raptors are probably going to get expensive at some point in the next few years here that's a big deal it's a lot of years for chris boucher i thought maybe it would be like a one-year balloon payment that's why that 15 million kind of stuck in my mind as maybe they don't want to you know commit a whole bunch of years to boucher because they want to keep their powder dry for future off seasons but You know, instead of that, they get him in for a lower number at three years. And I think you can bank on him being very similar to the player he was this past season over the next three years. I don't really see the offensive rebounding acumen or the defensive ranginess and all that stuff going away anytime soon. He became a winning basketball player this year. So, you know, coming into the offseason... I thought Boucher was priority number one for the Raptors. I said, like, this is the thing they have to do first and foremost. You can't afford to lose him because you certainly can't replace him because you don't have the cap space to do so. And I think they really did well to get him back at just uh, between 11 and 12 million bucks a year. Really, really nice signing for the Raptors. And awesome for Chris Boucher, man. Like, really great to see him get a substantial payday after, you know, starting his NBA career late, having all sorts of ups and downs. It's a fantastic, unbelievable story, frankly. It's probably movie-worthy stuff. This guy who was washing dishes when he was like 18, 19, who now is making 30 plus million bucks on a contract in the NBA. It's a wonderful story, and I think he really fits what the Raptors want to do super well. It seemed like a perfect marriage, honestly, of player and team. That's why I always kind of expected he was coming back, but still great to see nonetheless. And then you get Thaddeus Young, who reportedly is going to sign a two year, $16 million deal with the Raptors. Still a little unclear as to whether there's going to be any sort of non guarantee in the second year or something like that, but. I think it's a nice deal. He was extended as well. So it's kind of boring cap minutia because I don't think the Raptors are just going to go trade Thad Young, but because he was extended technically before hitting free agency, uh, per the reports, it suggests that he actually could be traded this offseason. It's not one of those situations where it's a free agent, signs a deal, and then can't be traded until December. It is, you know, Thad Young is free to be moved around right now, but I don't think the Raptors are signing Thad Young in the interest of moving him right now. It would be a weird thing to say to a guy like, hey, we like you. You want to stay here with us in Toronto and then turn around a week later and flip him somewhere? I don't think that's going to happen and i don't think it should because thad young is a really nice piece i know there was always a little bit of uneasiness about giving up a first round pick for thaddeus young at the deadline but they made it pretty clear very early on that the bird rights for him were important to them and it always kind of seemed like there was a good marriage there if he wanted to come back i thought he might go to the bulls just because he had such a good run there and the bulls desperately need someone like a thad young and the bulls have not really done a whole lot other than re sign Zach Levine and sign Andre Drummond since free agency opened, and I feel like Bulls fans are kind of melting down, which feels a little bit right. Uh, Bulls fans melting down is like sort of a normal thing to expect in the world, Um, but I thought Thad Young could have been a good fit there. I kind of thought it was either Chicago or Toronto, and I'm really glad to see that he's going to stick around. He's super fun. He fits what the Raptors want to do, and I think a low-key thing about Thad Young, and we'll get to this as we talk about the depth chart with Otto Porter in the next segment, but Thad Young is like an extra little bit of playmaking. He's not going to run 20 pick-and-rolls a game or anything like that, but he's a guy for a stretch with the bench or whatever it might be, can take a little bit of the burden off of Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, and presumably Scotty Barnes, who you think are going to be the sort of three main initiators for this team next season. There will be some Gary Trent Jr. They'll, you know, open it up for OG Ananobi, I'm sure, in spots as well. But Thad Young is such a good passer. He's so good working from the elbows, finding cutters, Doing the thing on the short roll. Like, I think there's going to be some playmaking. Um, I don't want to say burden because it's not going to be that much, I think, but there will be some playmaking asked of Thad Young on this team going forward, whether it's in those second units or when he's playing with sort of starter heavy looks and maybe you want to run something through him. I I think, you know, that's going to be a useful, helpful thing for this team going forward. And I'm just happy to have Thad Young around. He seems like a good dude. Precious Achua, of course, credited him a ton with sort of his late season maturation and growth and sort of learning from a guy like that. He's been in the league a long time man he's made a lot of money that is the kind of guy i think is cool to have around with a team that is very young it is still kind of getting their sea legs in the nba yeah there's a lot of veterans on this team as well with pascal and fred and guys who have won titles in the past but for the younger wave of guys and for everybody really it's nice to have a guy like thad young i always go back with a guy like Thad, with these guys who have had long careers where they've made a lot of money, to something that Drew Fairservice on the wonderful Spin Rate Toronto Blue Jays podcast says a lot. When you bring in a veteran guy who's kind of been there and knows the ropes and has made a lot of money, there's something to be learned from that guy, from other guys who are looking to make their bag going forward. It's how do I replicate what that guy did to earn the $100 million, or whatever it is that Thad Young's made over his career. Like, that's a non that's a factor. Like that's not a nothing thing to have. And I'm just glad that there's a guy like that. Who's going to be in the room, sort of the sage wise fellow in the room. Uh, Very glad to see Thad Young back. You know, I thought again, the Boucher Thad re-signings were the two biggest priorities. I was always sort of a little understanding that maybe Thad would walk somewhere, especially if they had to give Boucher like that balloon payment I talked about. If they were worried about the years and really just wanted Boucher for one year and they had to throw him like 18 million bucks to keep him around, then that could have meant the end of Thad Young in Toronto. But I'm glad they were able to work it both in within that 20 million bucks or so that we talked about, right? We've talked about it for months that the real tools the Raptors had to sort of keep guys and add to the team this year were the... Uh, 20 or so million bucks they had between Thad Young and Chris Boucher and Yuta Watanabe if they wanted to bring him him back. Doesn't look like he's going to be back uh, at this point. We'll talk about that in a sec, but uh, there was that, and then they also had the 10 million or so for the mid-level exception. It seems like about a million of that is going to go at least to Christian Coloco for his first, year, first contract, and then we'll see exactly the particulars of Otto Porter, who will be joining the Toronto Raptors as well, as reported this afternoon or this morning by Chris Haynes. Uh, we do not yet know the particulars on that, but we do know that it's a nice signing for the Raptors, and I'm going to get into that in just a second as to why I think Otto Porter is such a excellent fit that I didn't even really think of as an option. We did four episodes of mid-level madness, pulling names out of a hat to talk about mid-level guys, and Otto Porter never came up. So we're going to talk about him now in just one second here and dig into why I think it's a wonderful signing for the Raptors to fill out their roster, at least as it stands for now. There might be other stuff that happens. We'll get to that at the back part of the show. But before we get into anything else, I want to tell you about our friends over at arcade1up.com. they've got big news. The one, the only NBA Jam is back. Arcade 1up, the leader in at home retro arcade games, is not only bringing the best game ever back, but they've made it bigger and better than ever with a wait for it, Shaq Edition machine. Yes, it's not the size of Shaq, don't worry, but Shaq Edition is very much the name of it. Go. And, uh, like, you ever imagine playing NBA Jam? You ever played it before in an arcade or whatever it is? If I'm going to a barcade of some kind or some sort of thing where there are video game cases, I'm playing NBA Jam. I'm lost. My friends and my fiancé is like, where the hell's Sean? Oh, he's playing NBA Jam. This has happened more than one time, because it's, like, the best game ever and is, like, the most fun sports game the... Probably like the actual archetype of what a sports game should be, which is silly, dumb, and fun with explosions and uh, fire and all those great things. No free throws, no fouls, no quarters required. Compete with friends and family as well, with your all-new Wi-Fi leaderboards, making you more connected than ever. There's nothing better than... Be- Nothing better than beating your friends at video games. It just rules. You can pre-order now from ArcadeOneUp.com. That's Arcade, the number one, and Up.com for an estimated early September ship date. Arcade OneUp is the place for fun. They've got even more classics like Golden Tee, Mortal Kombat, and many others starting at just $399. And check this out. They are giving away three NBA Jam editions, two NBA Jam Shack editions, that is, to locked-on listeners. Enter for a chance to win a game console for your room of choice, whether it's your kitchen your living room your games room whatever it is go and check them out at arcade1up.com locked on that's arcade the number one up.com locked on you've got till july 8th to enter to win nba jam shack edition go check it out now don't miss it enter today and uh please invite me over to play with you because i'll uh absolutely demolish you i actually haven't played nba jam in a while you might kill me either way invite me over please We continue on here with our free agency breakdown episode. Otto Porter Jr. is the newest member of the Toronto Raptors, as per a report from Chris Haynes later on in the morning, afternoon time here on Friday. And this is a, I think, a really nice signing. again, that was kind of off the radar for me. We've talked a lot about guards and ball handlers and wings and, of course, shooters And, you know, this certainly covers off the wing and shooter side of it all. Maybe not so much the ball handler, but Otto Porter Jr. has been a really nice player. He was, I think a little unfairly maligned because the Wizards gave him a max contract and it was really hard for him to live up to that max contract. He had some injuries, of course. He's had a lot of injuries throughout his career, which is certainly a red flag or a concern here if you're looking for the negative side of this deal. But he played 63 games last season, the most he's played since 2017-18, so that's good to see. A couple COVID-shortened seasons in there as well. Um, but, you know, average 8.2 points, 5.7 boards, 1.5 assists, 1.1 steals, shot 37% on three and a half attempts a game for, uh, from three for the Warriors this season. It was a pretty important part of their championship team, especially in their bench units. And I think this is just a really nice kind of low risk, but adds a nice element to this Raptors team that they need, which is just some sort of dead-eye shooting. We're familiar in these parts with Otto Porter's dead-eye shooting. Think back to the playoffs, for example, in 2014-15. He was also on that 16-17 Wizards team that the Raptors beat in the playoffs as well. Or was it 17-18? Either way, he was on that team, I believe. Um, And, you know, he's a good shooter. He's always been a really good shooter, very pure. I think he was always kind of—like, this is a guy whose career has been weirdly— judged because he was a third overall pick in a not very good draft in 2013-14 and then again had that sort of max contract hanging over his head that always made it difficult for him to really I think kind of succeed without all the sorts of criticisms that come when you can't live up to a contract of that size and magnitude and so I am really happy with this addition. Again, the health thing is certainly a concern, but I think if he's playing 18 minutes a game as sort of a piece in the very large and long bench units the Raptors roll out, there's nothing wrong with that for me. And if this is the final piece the Raptors add to the team, which it very well could be, we'll run through in a second here, sort of my scribbled down depth chart for next season. I think it's totally fine. I know there's some concern about not adding a point guard or a true ball handler. And if you had given me my choice, between, say, Dante DiVincenzo, who's like the last guy available right now, and Otto Porter. I probably would have sided with DiVincenzo, but I don't have a problem with Porter necessarily. And I think it just kind of confirms the thing that I've said for quite a while, and I think the thing the Raptors have been saying without saying it, is that they don't really want a point guard of a regular size and stature. They really think, A, with Fred Van Vliet, and then with Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam, they have enough ball handling to get by and you can disagree with that if you like and you know maybe that comes to be a thing that they struggle with this season but i think right now i'm more than okay going into next season kind of knowing that across 48 minutes most of the offense is going to be initiated either by their sort of weaving actions where there's no one real initiator it's kind of a lot of handoffs and screens at the top of the arc where they try to get switches and things like that like that's you know, one form of creating offense for this team. And then the other form is you just have Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam and Fred VanVleet kind of run, pick and roll or run isos or whatever it might be. And I think That's a totally fine way to live, especially in a season that I I know everyone's very excited because they won 48 games last year, but they're not a title team next season. They're not meant to be a title contender next year. And I think just figuring out again, like what you have is Scotty Barnes ready for point guard duty. Can Siakam replicate what he did last year? I think he can, especially with better, you know, supporting cast around him, a more advanced and internally developed supporting cast. I think he can be great. And I think Fred Van Vliet, you know, gets a raw deal because he was hurt to close the season, but I think there's a a world in which he has a lower minutes burden because you're kind of dispersing things and staggering to the point where, you know, he can actually rest while Siakam or Barnes is kind of running the show with Thad Young kind of helping them out. Gary Trent Jr. Obviously likes to have the ball in his hands a little bit here too. I think they can get those minutes down for Fred and still have him be a ma- major primary initiator when he's out there. And I think you can get by with the guys they have across 48 minutes, not to mention they'll probably give OG some run and things like that too. So, I have no problem with them not finding a traditional point guard necessarily. And I think with Porter, it's just kind of doubling, tripling, quadrupling down or the thing that they double, triple, quadrupled down with when they got Thad Young. It's, hey, everyone's tall. Who is the shooting guard? Who is the four? It doesn't matter. Positions are a construct on this team. And I like that way of thinking. And I like going into next season. There's so many different iterations that they can come up with with lineups now that I think are really fascinating. You know, if we kind of go through what the depth chart's going to be, and this is assuming they don't make any more major moves, which they are are probably done. That said, we will talk about Aiton and Durant in the final segment. But I think for me, like I scribbled down a little, uh, on my trusted piece of paper here, a little sort of mock depth chart for the team. I have Scotty Barnes in as the starting point guard. And you might say, Sean, what are you talking about? Fred Van is the point guard. And Fred Van Vliet can be the two guard. And we know my feelings about Gary Trent Jr. coming off the bench, which is a thing I think should definitely happen. You've got Barnes, you've got Malachi Flynn, you got Delano Banton. That's sort of like that point guard level of guys. Um, only Flynn is really a traditional point guard of that trio. But again, positions that are made up and don't matter. Um, two guards, you got Fred, Trent, and then of course Fima Luke. At the three, you've got OG, Thad, and Otto Porter. At the four, you got Siakam, Boucher, and presumably Justin Champagny. I'm guessing they're gonna give him some kind of contract. Uh, you know, how many years, guarantees, et cetera. That'll be up to, you know, the, the front office. We'll see. But they gave him the, the qualifying offer. It seems like he's gonna be around for next season. And I am pretty high on Justin Champagny, even though it might be a bit of a log jam. And then the center position, you got Precious Achua, who I think should be playing all of the minutes that he can next year, just to see what you have in Precious Achua and if this thing where they go with precious as their main five can actually be viable over the course of the season test that out next season i'm cool with that you got ken birch of course who i think stands to maybe come back a little bit and have a bit of a bounce back here he was super hurt this past year never really got things going never really found a role on the team i wonder if maybe it's a bit easier for him to find that this year and then you have christian coloco as well who very well could leap past ken birch right away but is some nice insurance if coloco is not quite ready so you have that fifteen guys. You'll have Ron Harper Jr. on a two-way, and then whoever else you want on the two-way. Whether it's someone from summer league who kind of pops. Maybe it's Jalen Harris. And a lot of people are freaking out about Jalen Harris. I would like Jalen Harris to average more than a point per shot in the in the CEBL for me to really be on board. But that second two-way spot right now, as it stands, is kind of the only thing up in the air. I I would imagine they're not going to sort of cut Sfi or anything like that, that he just, you know, opted into his contract. It's just one more year as your 15th man or 14th man. I think it's totally fine to have behind Luke on the team. He's not really going to factor in when it matters most. And so to me, that's a 15 man group you can roll with. No, there's not a traditional center. No, there's only a couple of sort of traditional point guards, but Again, this is the team where you kind of have to broaden your mind a little bit and realize this is not what the team is going for. The team is thinking, we can get this done and have big dudes be our primary ball handlers, and that's going to work just fine. And I I know, like, I probably come off like a homer on this show. I probably come off like someone who is just like, oh, the Raptors did something, so yes, that is good. Um, And I don't really quibble all that much with the moves that they make. But at the same time... Wouldn't it be weird if I weren't kind of on board with the things this front office does? Because, yeah, there have been the odd mistakes there. The Damari Carroll signing, the Sfi Luke, the Aaron Baines, the odd things on the margins, more or less. Not that Carroll was on the margins, but also Carroll had some, you know, moments where he actually did help the team that kind of get forgotten because he was so hurt all the time. But for the most part, the direction this team's been on over the last 9-10 years has been more or less flawless. They've figured this thing out. They are very good at their jobs. And if they think this vision's going to work, I'm inclined to kind of be along with that because like, why wouldn't it at this point? Like they, they are, I think they've earned the trust of the front of the fan base that when they do things, it's for a reason and it's probably gonna end up working out pretty darn well. And if you look at this roster, and you obviously have to bake in internal development here too, Scotty Barnes is going to get better, which is crazy, but he's going to get better. Precious Achua is going to get better, you would assume. Pascal Siakam might get better. like He gets better every year, it seems, and gets more refined in what he's doing. Uh, I would imagine we're going to see a bounce back from Fred after he was hurt in the back part of the year. I would imagine we'll see some growth from Gary Trent Jr., Like This is a team that has internal capacity for growth in addition to adding in a couple pieces that give them a little bit more depth, a little more insulation to injury. OG misses 40 games in the season. You can swap in Otto Porter Jr. He's a perfectly fine and capable starter to throw along those guys. Um, You know, I I just think there's a lot to like here, and if they kind of go with my ideal vision, where Gary Trent's coming off the bench, that starting five is going to be an absolute bear defensively, you have Trent and Thad and Porter and Birch or Coloco, Boucher coming off the bench, it feels like they're going to kind of just be able to throw waves of large dudes at other teams... And that's going to result in a lot of regular season wins. They won 48 games this past season despite spinning their wheels for the first, I don't know, third of the season with injury and just kind of figuring things out. I would not be shocked if they win, like, 53 games next season and are, like, the third seed in the Eastern Conference. That's not likely, necessarily. The Celtics just traded for Malcolm Brogdon. They're going to be insanely good again, and it makes me want to throw up. The Sixers, as much as it pains me, seem to have had a pretty darn good offseason as well, although we'll see if P.J. Tucker has anything left in the tank at 37. But the Anthony Melton pickup's really nice. You know, the Bucks have not gotten any deeper they maybe lose some guys or guys sort of fall off a little bit more with age. We'll see there. I, I think the bucks are kind of ripe to be passed. The heat are kind of old and weary. We'll see there. They seem like they're not even happy with their own team as they look to trade for different guys. Obviously the Kevin Durant thing hangs over all of this and that could change the complexion, but this team is like set up to win basketball games and be good and, and be uh, a team that just kind of like puts it together and, is a pain in the ass to play against in the regular season. And so I think the Porter edition is a really nice one to kind of tie it all together. And if this is the 15 man group they go with going forward, I think that is completely reasonable. And not a problem at all. And yeah, maybe I sound like a homer, but again, I think this front office kind of deserves the benefit of the doubt at this point. Why would there be doubt? Like, they are so good at what they do. They keep on winning games. The one season where it didn't go so well was because the entire team got ravaged by COVID as they were making a run to being a top four or five seed in the Eastern Conference. It was right at that time. They win all those games against the Sixers and the Bucks. They're on a great run, and then everyone gets sick, and then they lose the plot of the season. I am inclined to think they're more like the team they that that was more representative the first half of that season was more representative of what they actually were and I kind of think, you know, outside of that one blip season, which doesn't matter anymore cuz Scotty Barnes is on the team and it's so in the past like they've been pretty flawless in terms of what they've done in terms of big picture stuff. Yeah, small misses on the margins. Maybe they went too all in for Giannis and that cost them the center position the following year with Serge and Marcus Hall walking. You know there's no one's perfect you know they made the malachi flynn draft pick while desmond bain was sitting right there these things happen this is not a perfect thing where you're going to make the right call every single time but in the grand scheme pretty happy with where things have gone here and how they've kind of overhauled this whole thing in a couple seasons to the point that I think this team very much has a puncher's chance to be a home court team in the playoffs next season. And, you know, that's as it stands right now. Things can change, but they're a little bit deeper and there's going to be internal growth, you would assume, as well. That's going to help them potentially improve upon that 48 wins. And if they don't, again, this is not a title season next year. They can go ahead and be just fine and kind of figure some things out, maybe learn some things about themselves that they need to address. That's fine, too. We're on the other side gonna talk about what happens if uh, the Raptors aren't actually set with the 15 guys they have on the roster, and perhaps a few of them are headed out in large trades for people like DeAndre Ayton Kevin Durant, and or Rudy Gobert. We're going to get to that to close things out just a second here. But first, let me tell you about our friends over at betonline.net, your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and injury updates, podcasts, everything you might need to be the informed wager. Maybe you want to go over there right now, just in case the Raptors swing a deal for Kevin Durant, Just in case, go over to betonline.net, throw some money on the Raptors to win the title next year. I think they're like plus 5,000 or something crazy like that. Uh, That could be totally wrong. I don't actually know how odds work all that much. but. There are going to be long shots to win the title, and you can maybe get in a little early and put some money down on them before they go and swing for Kevin Durant uh, or DeAndre Ayton or whoever else you think might make them a title contender next season. If you feel like doing that, you can go to betonline.net right now and do so. They also have all your favorite one-off events like boxing and MMA fights. You've got golf tournaments. Everything is on there. Go to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. <sighs> All right, Went a little long there in the second segment, but that's fine. It's free agency day. We can go a little nutty here. Uh, let's now take a look at the big fish who are still out there. I don't really know how to read this when it comes to the Raptors and whether they'll be involved or anything like that. I kind of thought when there was radio silence on their use of a mid-level exception last night until they signed Auto Porter today, maybe that meant they were kind of working on bigger things. I'm not sure, but... And there was a report, actually, that came out that the Raptors were kind of telling mid-level exception folks. I can't remember where this report came from. It might have been Windhorse, might have been Jake Fisher, perhaps. Uh, But they were telling people, like, hey, we're working on bigger fish right now. Uh, If you want to sign with the mid-level, you might have to wait a little bit. So perhaps them signing Porter means that they're out on Aiton and or Kevin Durant. Um, And look, I don't think it's likely they go and get either of these guys. With Aiton, you know, I've talked about Aiton until I'm blue in the face on this podcast. I think the only way you do it is if it's a return centered around Gary Trent Jr. as the big piece going out, because I just think that's such an obvious talent upgrade that, yeah, the fit's a little weird. You can argue with whether you want Aiton or not or put a lot of into the center position, but he's like the fifth best center in the NBA right now. Um, Maybe six, whatever. You can quibble about the actual positioning. But he's a really good player, and I think would be an upgrade over Trent, which at this point in the Raptors' win curve, I would rather just upgrade the player if you can. And so uh, that's the only way I see that happening. The Aiton thing and the Durant thing are seemingly entwined as well. That requires a lot from Aiton to, like, actually want to go to Brooklyn. with that tire fire be part of that team to actually facilitate a sign-and-trade? If not, maybe there's a third team involved. Maybe it's the Raptors Then the cap minutia and the base year compensation and all the stuff gets very, very confusing and above where my brain is able to go. But either way, I think Aiton, you know, is someone who I still think is potentially on the table for the Raptors, if the right deal presents itself, which, as we've talked about a little bit, is something that looks a little bit like Gary Trent Jr., Kem Birch, Svee Mahailuk, in exchange for Tori Craig, and deandre Ayton, depending on the number eight and signs for maybe it's the max whatever either way that's the daniel hackett trade our pal our cap expert who's truly indispensable this time of year like daniel knows what the hell he's talking about he's great um so that's like the deal i think it's on the table potentially if that happens i think the raptors should 100 percent pull the trigger on that you don't even think about it you don't even blink you just do it and that is very exciting if that does happen But if that doesn't happen, that's fine, too, because the Raptors, like we just went through, have a pretty deep and loaded roster right now lots to grow with, lots to work on, lots to sort of improve internally, and that's fine. Um, So I'm intrigued by where the Aiton thing is, because it just doesn't seem like there's that many teams out there that are after him. You know, the Pacers just opened up a ton of cap space with the Malcolm Brogdon trade, but they already have Miles Turner, probably going to trade Miles Turner. Why would they then turn around and give a ton of money to DeAndre Ayton, who's only going to make it harder for them to be really bad, which seems like they're trying to do. Or maybe they want to pair you know, pair up Tyrese Halliburton and DeAndre Ayton and have profit very quickly. That could also be on the table. It's hard to say. Does Ayton want to go to Indiana? it's all very ethereal and up and basically all tied up in what deandre ayton wants because we kind of forgetting all this he's a free agent he could do whatever the hell he wants like he is not not beholden to anybody uh obviously the offers will have to be what dictates what goes on there for him but he's not beholden to like be there and say yes i'm on board for a trade to the nets so very very hard to sort of pin down what's going on there but if there is a thing that the Raptors might pull off, I still think the Aiton thing is maybe kind of there as a potential, again, if the right deal comes to the Raptors. They're not going to go trade OG Ananobi for DeAndre Aiton. I think he's too valuable, and it sort of disrupts things a little bit too much. But Gary Trent Jr., only one year left on his deal. You're going to have to pay him next summer anyway. I kind of would rather pay DeAndre Aiton $30 million than you know Gary Trent Jr. 23 Um, So we'll see. But... That, I think, is still a possibility, even though I'm not reporting anything. I don't have any intel, but just sort of reading the tea leaves, that seems like if there is something on the table, that might be it. Rudy Gobert, I think, is a non-starter, honestly. It's just too much in terms of what would have to go out, and the roster balance would be really messed up, because it's essentially you'd have to trade both Trent and OG to get Rudy Gobert, in which case you're so loaded in the front court. You have two of your only reliable shooters out the door. Otto Porter makes that a little bit easier to stomach, of course, because he's a very good three-point shooter. But still, I'm not exactly thrilled about trading off OG and Trent for a non-shooting big man and not having a whole lot to fill in for those guys behind them. So it just doesn't feel like it's going to happen. The money makes it too tricky. It feels like a more desperate team, honestly, is going to have to do the Gobert thing. I think the Bulls probably stand out as like the most likely team, or maybe like the Warriors sort of pull out some crazy thing out of their ass and make that happen. I don't know. But um, I, I don't really see Gobert and the Raptors just kind of lining up because the money's too much. It's really, really hard to make it work. Other than that, of course, is Kevin Durant, who requested the trade yesterday. If you uh, were living under a rock since then, Kevin Durant's asked for a trade out of the Nets. He's got four years left on his contract. We talked on Monday about whether you trade Scotty Barnes for Kevin Durant. And, you know, I think the comments to that episode kind of suggested that most people would not want to do that. Um, you know, like it or not, though, that's what's going to be on the table if Kevin Durant is someone who's going to come to the Raptors. Like, that's just, that's what they're going to ask for. You hope, I suppose, if you're the Raptors, that because there's not a crazy market for KD, he said the Suns and the Heat, and as Zach Lowe and Kevin Pelton talked about on the podcast they did today over on the Low Post, really the only two other teams that make any sense in terms of having enough left over after a KD trade to be contenders are the Pelicans and the Raptors. And the Pelicans are complex because Zion Williamson just signed his extension, will be around for five years and can't be traded right now. And so that's got to be built around Brandon Ingram. Is that something the Pelicans want to do? Would KD want to go to the Pelicans? That's all a question for the Pelicans, I guess, to figure out. But the Raptors, they're, I think right now, like the number two or number three team in the Vegas odds to land KD because the rest of the league just doesn't really have the stuff to do it and also maintain a cont- a, cont- a contending team after the deal happens. And so I still think if there's a world in which the KD thing could happen, I really don't think it'll be Barnes. And honestly, I've come around, I know I talked on Monday about sort of the reasons why I'd consider Barnes. I think at this point, I'm not trading Scotty Barnes for Kevin Durant. And honestly, I don't think there's a wrong way to feel about this if you feel like you know if you're the person who just is all about titles and you want to see the raptors go for it next season and the season after maybe the year after that with kd i totally respect that call because i don't think there's a basketball argument against either move i think you get kd with a team of siakam and one of og or trent whoever doesn't go out in the deal you get obviously fred precious Otto porter thad young Chris Boucher, like that's a really good team that probably is, like, a top two contender for the title next to, like, the Clippers, I would say. Like, that is a bear of a team. And if that's the thing you want to see, then I totally respect that. I think, for me, I come down on not wanting to deal Barnes for Durant because of a couple things. Someone mentioned to me last night, I can't remember who it was, um, but a a regular, you know, engager on on Twitter mentioned that, like, the biggest reason they wouldn't want to trade Scottie Barnes is because his personality is just too darn uh you know endearing and honestly that's as good an argument as i could possibly imagine he's really good he's fantastic and he's also just like the coolest guy to root for and i understand if you're a basketball fan who just wants to be sort of have that certainty of i'm gonna get to root for scotty barnes for a long time that's a pretty cool thing to have even if maybe the title contention is a little further down the line if it ever comes with scotty barnes as the best player on the team I totally am fine. I am all about the vibes. I am all about enjoying the regular season as much as the postseason because the regular season is six freaking months of our lives every year. I don't begrudge anyone who doesn't want to trade Scotty Barnes based on just the fact that he's really cool and likable and it's fun to root for him. That works for me as an argument. The basketball arguments, you know, again, I think you can go either way. If you stick with the team they have now, they might get to a title contention window where they're a top two or three contender. They might not. And that's also fine. But that's something that's a little bit more down the line. And if you get KD, it's a title contention window immediately. Like, they are in the conversation next season. It's a Raptors-Celtics conference finals prediction or something like that. Like, that's the outcome that you get if you get KD on your team with whatever the Raptors have to trade to get them. And so... Again, I think it's a philosophical thing. I think it's how you feel about sort of what you want from your sports. And I don't think there's a wrong answer. I think I come down on the side of Scotty Barnes is too cool and fun and good and could sort of set up a long-term window of contention here. And I just don't know if it's worth the risk of bringing in KD and then having him roll an ankle in one or two playoffs. And then all of a sudden, you're sitting there without Scotty Barnes and without a title. That's a lot, a lot to risk, especially for a team that just won a title three years ago and as much as people want more I don't think you have to go rush it because they're not a team that's at the end of a long stretch where they've lost a bunch and need to shake things up that's just not where they are so I'm against dealing Barnes for KD at this point the other deals I mean maybe something comes up where they go and canvas the league and eight won't play ball in a sign and trade and the poo-poo platter of Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson and whatever the hell else the Heat have to offer is not enough. And they come back to the Raptors and say, well, you got Gary Trent Jr. and OG Ananobi. If that's the case, if it's OG, Trent, and Futures, probably doing it, man. <laughs> I'm probably doing it and probably not really thinking about it too long. Uh, I know lots of people are married to OG and very connected to him, and I understand that too, but Kevin Durant's a freaking monster. And if you had a team where Trent and OG go out, you have a starting five of... Fred and Durant and Barnes and Siakam and Achua. You've got Porter now with some shooting insulation as well. you got Boucher and Fad. That, to me, again, is a team that can probably go and win the title next season. That deal I'm doing. So, you know, Siakam as well. I'd have to think long and hard. Again, that's sort of the emotional side of things, too. And I might say no just because I love Pascal Siakam. But other people may not love Pascal Siakam as much as I do. And I don't think there's a wrong answer there either. But it's it's a fascinating one, man. And again, we're talking about it because the Raptors are kind of thrust into the conversation as one of the teams with a package that could actually work. And you could argue they're like the best basketball and trade fit of anyone in the league. And to me, that's actually kind of the main point here. They might not get Kevin Durant. They probably won't get Kevin Durant. But the nice thing to know is that the next time a superstar comes available, whether it's, you know, I don't even know who it would be down the line here, but the next time some disgruntled superstar says, I want out, the Raptors are perennially going to be put in the conversation of teams that could make it work because they have the assets. They have all their future picks. They have lots of really good players on really good contracts. They have Scotty Barnes. They have Siakam. Like, they're going to be able to cobble together a package for any superstar, and to me, that is the sort of takeaway here. It's that the KD thing might not work out for a multitude of reasons, most of which being maybe KD just doesn't want it to happen, and the Nets want to actually send him somewhere where he wants to go. Seems weird that that would be the case, especially considering, like, this is their chance to actually kind of salvage this whole era by getting a massive King's Ransom of a return. But, yeah, I I think it's uh, you know, it's a wonderful thing to know. The Raptors are kind of in this position and will be for a very long time that when stars are available, they're always going to be one of those teams who should be one of the first calls of the team with said disgruntled star. And that's a pretty decent place to be, especially when they've got a team with a 15-man roster that we just ran through that should go and win lots of games next season and be, at the very least, extremely fun and weird and interesting to watch. So, I, you know, as far as, like, how the last day or two have gone, pretty much perfect. I think you're a Raptors fan, right? Okay. You could quibble. They didn't get Malik Monk or Dante DiVincenzo or whatever. They still might get DiVincenzo. We don't know how much of the MLE they've given to Otto Porter Jr. Maybe there's a minimum deal out there for DiVincenzo or something along those lines and they have to, you know, cut bait with a Sfee or a Champagne or whatever it might be. But, uh, you know, I I think there's a, a lot to be pretty happy about if you're a Raptors fan right now. And there's really, we talked all along this summer, what was this summer about it was about being chill having a summer where it wasn't so stressful all the time where it wasn't stars leaving the team and franchise icons leaving the team and firing coaches and having to make a risky win it now trades like this is pretty chill off season and i think they've kind of handled it pretty perfectly and set next season up to be pretty darn fun whether or not they get kd or ayton or whoever else Or not. So I'm going to leave it there for now. Thank you so much for tuning into today's show. We'll be back again on Monday. We're going to do deep dives on all this stuff, of course. I'm sure there'll be plenty of details that come out over the weekend. We'll probably get the details on Otto Porter's contract. Maybe there'll be be some minimum signings or whatever uh, that we'll get into. And then we're probably teeing up Summer League next week, too, as that's getting very, very close. Very exciting there, too. And uh, we'll continue on the offseason. We're going to be daily all the way through the end of July. So uh, plenty of stuff that we'll go through. We'll have some fun episodes and stuff like that. But Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back again Monday with Big V to talk all about whatever the hell happens between now and Monday morning. But until then, go make your second listen of the day, Locked on NBA. They're covering all of this stuff wonderfully. You can also go listen to all the local shows if there's a team you're interested in. Perhaps the Nets or the Suns. Go listen to Locked on Nets or Locked on Suns or both. And uh, you'll be very, very happy that you made that decision as well. So we'll round it there. We'll talk to you Monday. Until then, have a wonderful long weekend. And uh, bye-bye.